Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, a hot rod farmer from New Jersey, a.k.a. Ray Bohax, beaming to you from Cat Swamp Road. And as you know, the signal goes from Cat Swamp Road all the way up 22 miles or so, they're telling me, up into the sky to the Sirius XM Rural Radio Channel 147 Satellite. And then it comes back down to earth and into your, uh, hey, into whatever. Could be your vehicle, your headset, your computer. And that is what goes on here. So that's the way it goes. It's a big triangle, right? From New Jersey up to the sky and then back down all over North America. So I want to thank you so much for joining me this morning or this evening, if it's Sunday and you're listening, because we get together here in the farm shop, as you are well aware every saturday at 11 a.m eastern and then again on sunday at 6 p.m and that is exclusively on rural radio and but if you happen to miss an episode you could go to my website farmmachinerydigest.com and click on the tab that says fmd radio and then you could get back get one of those back episodes of the show so for reference or if you happen to give me a pin on my map and i announce your name and you want to have your friends and family hear it not that it's any big deal right so i'm saying that respectfully i mean it's not not like this is a uh you know uh whatever the rush limbaugh show but sadly he's gone so this is just farm machinery digest radio but if you wanted to hear your name again just go to the website and click on that episode and i do have a number of people that in the past few days reached out to me and blessed me with another pin in my map and if you don't know what that's about is that i have a map of north america united states and canada uh, in my on in my de- on my desk in my office, and I put a push pin in the map when a listener contacts me, so I know where they are listening from. And as I always say, the purpose of that is for me to get an idea, a better idea of where my audience is, so that I could better serve you, so I know what your farm or ranch operation is about. And maybe you're not a farm or rancher, but maybe you're just listening, and that's cool too. That's a hundred percent fine. So this week. I want to thank and welcome Michael Cheshire from Colorado Springs. Sorry, I killed your last name. Eugene Thurm, T-H-U-R-M, from Redland, Reedland, Iowa, which is a town I believe that I was in many, many years ago. And then Mr. John Bosch. How could you not like that car guy? How could you like that? not like that last name, Bosch, right? Great in fuel injectors and ECUs and... They used to make injection pumps on the AMBAC, right, American Bosch. And he's he's listening from Tiverton, Ontario, Canada. And over there in Tiverton, he his son has a farm, and John helps him. Hey, that's, that's good, free help, right? And they uh, farm a few hundred acres, about 200 acres, but they custom farm about 1,500 more acres. So that's over in Tiverton, which is not far from Lake Huron. And that's a beautiful, beautiful country there. And last but not least, Mr. Mike Olson. And Mike hails from Prairie Village, Kansas, which, which he told me is not too far outside of Kansas City. And my sister went to school in Kansas City, uh, Kansas Medical University. Originally, she was going to become a doctor, but she got tired of going to school, and she became a paramedic through the university there. And I used to go as a young man, because she's five years older than I, 
and I used to go with my mom out there and see her outside of Kansas City. So welcome. And if you want to pin in a map, all you have to do is reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And not only will you get a pin in a map mentioned on my show and my podcast, and if you don't want that, that's fine. You just say, don't mention me. But you get into the drawing for a Hot Rod Farmer license plate, embossed aluminum license plate that is in the process of being created. And I'm giving away two a week. So all you have to do is, and you know, and if you don't win that week, it makes no difference because your name goes into the box. You could win three months from now or six months from now. So that is uh, what that deal is all about. And you know, the other day when I was at the truck stop, I saw this gorgeous, gorgeous. I go to truck stop every morning for coffee. This gorgeous Mac day cab was a pinnacle, a brand new pinnacle. And I believe it had the Mac MP8 505 horsepower engine. I just love a day cab. I mean, that's in in my next life, right? If I ever retire, and I said, I I always tell people I never want to retire. I just want to maybe change what I'm doing, not the farming, but maybe not so much the writing and the journalism. And then I want to drive a, I want to drive a day cab for a farmer and haul grain to the elevator. So maybe God willing, one day that will happen. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on real quickly was that we are in the season for seminars, workshops, farmers meetings, and educational events, and put that all together, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I just want to share with you something that I found that worked very well years back. Whenever I would attend a workshop of anything of consequence, not just a meeting where they can try to sell you something, but uh, I used to go all the time to um, to Michigan, the Superflow Corporation for their seminars, and then agriculturally I'd go to, uh, I used to go out to the, um, to, uh, the Ag PhD seminars. I'd always call up the company or the organization, and I would request for them to send me the information ahead of time, the handbook, whatever that they had, I'd be willing to pay for it. And I'd be willing to uh, you know, pay the shipping, pay for it, whatever, so I could study it ahead of time. And you know, keep in mind, if you're going to a seminar and they give you the book at the seminar, you have no chance to read it. You have no chance to look at it. You have no chance to to come up with with intelligent questions. So going forward, it's only something that I do, and I'd like to share with you that if you're going to any workshops of consequence this winter, then please ask for that material ahead of time, study it, read it, and when you go to that seminar, when you make an investment in your time and your money to go to that seminar, you will find that it brings much more value. So listen, as we get ready to go to the break, I want you to not forget that agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing oxygen sensors. Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio. It's more than fuel. It's more than truck payment. It's more than maintenance. It's about the business of trucking. We're talking a little bit about stock prices. And we switch into uh, tech talk. Highway reconstruction, infrastructure. The economy, regulation, business, and more. We tend to switch topics a lot. Road Dog Trucking Radio. Covering the entire trucking industry. Do be advised. Sirius XM Channel 146. The Sirius XM app and connected devices and speakers. Tune in for 
Commodity Wrap each weekday morning at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, and every evening at 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central. I'm Marlon Bowling, bringing you the latest market details and talking with a variety of market experts on location at the CME Group. From grains to livestock and everywhere in between, your rural radio team will keep you informed of the latest developments the minute they happen. We're gathering the news and insights you need to stay ahead of the curve and protect your bottom line. It's Commodity Wrap on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147, your market authority. In the field, on the farm, or in the saddle, we're right there with you in your pocket, on your phone, and everywhere you go. RFD TV Now. Current ag reports, geo targeted weather, live streaming 24 7, and our full collection of shows you love at the tip of your finger. At less than $10 a month, it's the cheapest tool on the farm. Download the app today and start watching RFD TV now. Hi, everybody. This is Marty Stewart. Join me as I travel coast to coast, city to city, exploring America with sounds and stories on Marty Stewart's America Odyssey. Then stick around for the Marty Stewart Show, bringing the brightest stars and the best music straight into your home with the help of my fabulous superlatives. It all starts Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, right here on Rural Radio. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. <clears throat> and as I said in the opening segment, we're going to be discussing oxygen sensors. And the oxygen sensor is found predominantly on gasoline-equipped modern engines at that today, for the most part, you'd say that they're fuel-injected because there's really no more carburetor controls around even if you get some smaller engines and what i mean by that is that there's no feedback carburetors meaning that they use an oxygen sensor in the circuit so you'll find oxygen sensors in motorcycles and utvs and in road vehicles and on some later tier four diesel engines you will find oxygen sensors there but that's going to need to be a special show because that's it's quite in detail but the purpose of an oxygen sensor on a gasoline engine, that's what we're going to focus on today. And what you need to understand about it is that it is a consumable. Most people don't think of a sensor, any type of sensor, whether it's in a grain bin or whether it's on a planter or whether it's an oxygen sensor on an engine to be considered a consumable. They figure that it either works, works, works like a light bulb and then burns out or fails and the sensor itself doesn't essentially burn out but could fail and that's when they replace it and if it hasn't failed they don't do anything with it and they forget about it and hopefully after listening to this episode that you will realize that that is not the not what the, the mindset that you need to have so in a nutshell what an oxygen sensor is they, they call it a galvanic battery. It creates a little bit of an electrical signal and it measures the oxygen content in the exhaust. <clears throat> and it uses that on a gasoline engine to determine the air fuel ratio. So the oxygen sensor is gonna sit in the exhaust stream and it's going to determine the air fuel ratio. And, and since 1996 on a road gasoline road vehicle, which would be different than let's say like an UTV or a motorcycle or an ATV, but on a passenger vehicle, car or light duty truck, is that there'll be, since 1996, there'll be 
there'll be at least two oxygen sensors and if it's a v-shaped engine there'll be four so there is the what they call the pre-cat oxygen sensors and the post-cat oxygen sensors and the cat is an abbreviation for catalytic converter so the purpose of the pre-cat oxygen sensors is to determine the air fuel ratio whether the fuel injection system is delivering the proper air fuel ratio of 14.7 to 1 which is called stoichiometric and stoichiometric identifies with gasoline it's 14.7 to 1 but with methanol it's about 6 to 1 so the thing is that it, it, the stoichiometric identifies a recipe the amount of fuel and air that will allow for the greatest amount of chemical to mechanical energy exchange so that's what the term stoichiometric is so every fuel has a stoichiometric value so the oxygen sensors that are pre the catalytic converter pre meaning before the catalytic converter not before production meaning 30 40 50 years ago is that they will determine the air fuel ratio and then the ecu will adjust the injector pulse time to achieve the proper air fuel ratio and then the ones after the catalytic converter are used to determine the efficiency of the catalyst and you may have a vehicle that is setting a code for catalytic converter efficiency and that is based upon what the output voltages of this what they would call the secondary or post catalytic converter oxygen sensors so now there are two types of oxygen sensors for all intents and purposes so if it was corn seed you'd say well there's you know non-gmo and gmo seed and then there's families within each range but there's two types of sensors and and one is called a narrow band and the other one is called a wide band and a narrow band sensor only can accurately identify an air fuel ratio of 14.7 to 1 which is stoichiometric which is the air fuel ratio that is needed for the catalytic converter to be the most efficient and then a wide band air fuel oxygen sensor can identify air fuel ratios richer or leaner than 14.7 to 1 so and either one of them produces a a minute output voltage and that voltage in the ecu is going to correlate to a defined air fuel ratio so we'll leave it at that because we could actually do a all-day seminar on oxygen sensors but the important take-home message that you need to understand here to bring value to you to listening to this show is to realize is that over time because that oxygen sensor we're talking predominantly about the primary oxygen sensor is that the pre-cat the air fuel ratio one is is going to be sitting in the exhaust stream it's going to be exposed to extreme heat it's going to be exposed to the exhaust gases it's going to be exposed to acids that are in the exhaust gases and different chemical byproducts that are in gasoline that will be released during combustion so over time that sensor will become degraded and we use the term degraded because it means that the uh, that its output voltage will no longer be in synchronization to the air fuel ratio and what will happen is that as that output voltage skews historically not in every case but probably in 95 percent of the cases as the output voltage skews is that the it, the ecu will interpret that as the mixture being lean so that it that it needs to add more fuel to 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 achieve 14.7 to 1 stoichiometric air fuel ratio 
But that would be like <clears throat> you measuring grain, moisture in the grain, with a probe that is out of calibration. So you think it has this much moisture and it doesn't have that much moisture and you either end up over drying it or under drying it. So that's in essence what happens with an oxygen sensor. And that's why I tell people it is so important for you to track the fuel consumption on all of your engines because the fuel consumption is going to be one of the first telltale signs of something going wrong. And I don't care whether it's a diesel in a farm tractor all right, they, uh, they don't have an oxygen sensor for all intents and purposes, or your wife's car or your pickup truck or an irrigation engine or whatever it may be, is that usually when things start to go astray, you will see it first in fuel consumption. So once if you start to monitor the fuel consumption and the engine runs fine, and you need to look at this over time, it can't be just one, you know, one fuel consumption test and start to see that that sense that that fuel consumption is starting to go down though the engine runs fine there is a very good possibility that that oxygen sensor has become degraded and is skewing and telling the engine controller that the mixture is leaner than it actually is and it's starting to add fuel so now somebody probably listening in the audience says, well, won't it put the service engine soon light or the check engine light on or whatever set of trouble code? And the answer is yes and no. Because the, a rule of thumb basically is the way these systems are designed is that they will either take out around 25, add 25% fuel, which is quite a bit. All right, 25% fuel and and then see if it could satisfy the oxygen sensor. And then if it has to add more than 25% fuel, it then puts the check engine light, service engine, soon light, and flags a trouble code. <clears throat> and since it's a digital circuit, is that you could be going around adding 23%, 24% fuel, and it's still not going to set a code. And that, you know, and that happens with anything that has some sort of management or control circuit is that it's not it's not it always has in in it, in its algorithm it has some sort of strategy and i don't care whether that's a grain bin dryer even though we're talking about oxygen sensors or a combine and people why is it set a code because there's a parameter for it to set a code so usually a rule of thumb with an oxygen sensor will add 25 percent fuel if it has to add more than 25 percent fuel it will set a code that the mixture is the mixture is what it would call out of control lean because it added 25% fuel and it can't compensate it can't satisfy the sensor but not because that the engine is not running rich it's because the sensor is skewed and usually it could take out about 20% fuel so let's say you have leaky injectors and the injectors are not shutting off and they're dripping fuel into the into the combustion chamber, then the oxygen sensor would see that and would keep cutting the fuel back. So, it's, so fuel economy is a very, very good indicator of what is happening and a good precursor, like doing a, a, a oil analysis on an engine or a piece of equipment. It's a precursor telling you what's going on. So the important thing for you to recognize here is that the oxygen sensor is a consumable. It's not meant to last the life of the, of the engine, whatever 
it happens to be in. Over time, depending upon the use, if you do a lot of idling, a lot of short trips with it, is that you're going to have a tendency to degrade that oxygen sensor more. So somebody, your, your cousin is a, a rural mail carrier and they're doing a lot of starting and stopping. Well, they're going to end up degrading that oxygen sensor quicker. And I don't mean you know, overnight than somebody who's riding on the highway all day long, 500 miles a day. So the oxygen sensor is going to skew over time and it is not a bad idea depending upon how that that engine is used. I'm going to use the term engine for you to replace that oxygen sensor with a factory part because you want the same calibration. You don't want to buy a cheapo aftermarket one and we could get into that some other time. But I would say probably every three to four or five years, depending upon the use, if the engine is cold started a lot, is idled a lot, is that you would want to replace it maybe every three years. And if if it has a lot of highway use and on the road use, maybe every five or six years. So you could have 200,000 miles in six years, and that's fine. It's always running down the highway. Or you could have an engine that does a lot of short cycles, starts and stops and in two or three years that oxygen sensor will start to skew but keep in mind that the air fuel the the fuel economy will give you a good indicator of what is happening there and if you have put any coolant through the intake system through the combustion chamber then you're going to have to replace that oxygen sensor because the modern coolants have silicone in them and when when it burns in the combustion chamber it creates a silicate and that coats the oxygen sensor and degrades it for its output voltage to no longer be in lockstep of what it's supposed to be and keep in mind on a fuel injected engine because of the placement of the injector it's very easy to to wash the oil off the cylinder walls if the oxygen sensor is is faulty and running the mixture very rich and then you will definitely wipe the ring package out many many engines are ruined because of a coated oxygen sensor and they never had any surface engine soon light or any code set so just keep that in mind it's a consumable it's not meant to last the life of of the of the engine and if you keep after it you will have a good running engine that will last many 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 years Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to a very special show. Country music history comes alive with stars, songs, and stories. You know, we're blessed with great stars here on our show tonight. The face and voice of country music on TV and radio. Having a good time? This is going to be fun. Country Music Hall of Fame member Ralph Emery. Sunday right here on America's only agribusiness and Western lifestyle network, Rural Radio. There's more to come here on the Ralph Emery Show. The Rural Evening News, the only primetime newscast that matters to rural America. That report is out. Caught me by surprise. Grain and livestock markets kind of going all over the place. The weather outlook for the coming days. This system is really picking up some steam. And Western sports. An incredible ride you will have to see to believe. In one jam-packed half hour. The Rural Evening News, weeknights at 7.30 Eastern. On Rural Radio, Channel 147, the Agribusiness and Western Lifestyle Channel. How do you go about changing the world? You start by growing the next generation of leaders. Hi, I'm Courtney Zimmerman, the 2021-2022 National FFA Central Region Vice President from the state of Wisconsin. 
Thanks for watching FFA Today on RCTV. FFA Today is a program that showcases these leaders and their achievements, their stories, their innovations. Join us for FFA Today, Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Central, right here on RFD-TV. Hey, it's Billy Kinder, host of Kinder Outdoors. You can hear the show Saturday mornings at 9 right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147. The very top names in the hunting and fishing business, well, they make up our pro staff. And our guests vary from the world of athletics, entertainment, politics, and they all have one thing in common. They love to hunt, fish, and get outside. If that's you, why don't you plan on joining us every week, 9 a.m. Eastern, Saturdays, on Rural Radio, Channel 147. All right, welcome back to the show. And if you have any questions on oxygen sensors, I know I went through it quickly, but the important take-home message is that you need to monitor it and keep after that because you will wash the rings out of an engine and uh, just ruin an engine because of an oxygen sensor that nothing went wrong with it. It just got got degraded and uh, very, very, very important. So now it is time for Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. Come on in, Tex, and he's going to get ready for the Under the Sheet Metal segment. Alrighty, Tex, I wonder if you ever get that mama. I got to call him up and ask him if you ever got him. Got her, right? All right, so this is under the sheet metal, resurfacing a flywheel. A common mistake that farmers and professional mechanics alike make is not resurfacing the flywheel when a clutch is replaced. Though the flywheel is made of heavy-duty material, it is exposed to friction heat, even when the clutch disc and pressure plate are not slipping. This thermal cycling over time will degrade, warp, and change the surface metallurgy, which become hard spots. When this occurs, the clutch has the potential to chatter, vibrate, grab, and stick, along with premature failure of the new disc and pressure plate. The clutch is designed to work on a parallel surface. A worn, cupped, or crooked flywheel can also cause release problems, especially in an application that does not have a good deal of inherent travel. If the clutch was slipping prior to being removed, an excessive amount of heat was induced to the flywheel and all areas of concern are amplified. A new clutch assembly that is mated to a flywheel that was not surfaced will have a dramatic reduction in service life. To access most clutch assemblies, the tractor needs to be split, and if it's a truck, it's no fun either, and that task is not something that you do not want to do twice. If the clutch is worn, then the flywheel needs to be resurfaced. It is that simple. The proper method would be to take measurements with a dial indicator and magnetic base while the flywheel is still attached to the crankshaft. The pragmatic being if the disc is worn, the flywheel is distorted. Excessive flywheel runout is usually the result of previously misaligned resurfacing methods such as being done on a brake lathe or sloppy fixturing on a flywheel grinder. 
When I purchase a new flywheel, I bring it to the machine shop and have it set up on the grinder and dressed to make sure that is true, that it is true. Do not assume because it is new that that is the case. The market is rife with poor quality imports and rough handling during shipment. So just keep that in mind that the clutch job, like any job, you do not want to do that twice. And also do not forget to lubricate that throw out bearing and keep in mind that there is a relationship between the friction material and the friction surface. And that is why it's always best when possible to use an OE clutch. So hey, the show went quickly, but I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I want you to know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed week and I will catch you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. How do you go about changing the world? You start by growing the next generation of leaders. Hey, y'all. I'm Mallory White, the 2021-2022 National FFA Eastern Region Vice President from the state of Kentucky. Thanks for watching FFA Today on RFD TV. FFA Today is a program that showcases these leaders and their achievements, their stories, their innovations. Join us for FFA Today, Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Central, right here on RFD-TV. RFD-TV brings the ag industry news you care about. A lot of producers really looked at the hope Mm -hmm. of being able to get this deal done. Tailored forecasts for farmers and ranchers. You can see the pockets of red across Texas. That has become a problem. And going forward in time, we just don't have a lot of rainfall headed that way. Live, direct reports from the trading floor with expert market analysis. We have Oliver Slope standing by, and he is with Blue Line Futures. Well, the, the outside markets are going to be the, the driving factor and the focal point in this week's trade. A focus on Washington ag policy. RFD-TV's Emily Buck joins us from our Washington, D.C. News Bureau. The president reaffirms his commitment for rural America, supporting farmers through the pandemic. And live reports from across the nation. See lots of fun and exciting stories, especially lots of hard work that goes into this. Stories you'll find only on RFD-TV, celebrating our 20th year as rural America's most important network. Hey folks, join us for the Better Horses Radio Show, aired on Wednesday and Thursday evenings at 11 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 with hosts Ron McDaniel, Ernie Rodina, and me, Don Dawson. This week we get a tip from Dr. Chris Blevins at Kansas State University, and we visit with Tyler Magnus about team roping and Mark Gratney on ranch riding. So tune in to the Better Horses Radio Show right here on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll see you there.